Hello and a warm welcome to Be A Bigger Fish. I'm Debbie and I'm your host. I was delighted to get the chance to make this episode. So it's a conversation with a long-standing friend of mine, Dan, and a newer friend of mine, Shelby. And Dan and Shelby are both interested in supporting people who are quite new in their career as an internal communicator. So if you are in your early days as an internal comms professional, or it's something you're considering as a career choice, you'll absolutely love the content of this podcast. But even if you're a seasoned professional or you're in an adjacent career, you'll find there's plenty of advice in here about how to manage your own self-development, how you can use a blog or a podcast to improve your skills and why being a communicator is a job we all feel so proud to do. I just found this conversation really uplifting, so I hope you enjoy listening to it too. Well, I'm thrilled to welcome both Dan and Shelby to the podcast today. So welcome both of you. Thank you. Hello. Hi. I wonder if you'd like to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you do. Shelby, let's start with you. Yep. Hi. So I'm Shelby Lowesby and I'm the Internal Communications Manager at the University of Hertfordshire. And hi, I'm Dan Holden, an internal comms practitioner for Witch and also uh, the founder of Horizon Comms. Brilliant. Thank you. And I'm really glad that you're both here today because I know that apart from being internal communications professionals, there's something else that you both have in common. So, Dan, tell me a little bit about Horizon Comms and what that's all about. So Horizon Comms, I suppose, started 18 months ago as a bit of a my first attempt into the uh, blogging space it was something uh, I was keen to do I suppose for professional development but uh, I was also mindful of someone who uh, you know, in the past was new to internal comms there wasn't really much out there to kind of help you in those early days so um, that's kind of uh, where Horizon uh, appeared from and uh, I suppose recently it's just kind of uh, grown a little bit, I suppose, providing a bit of a space for people to chat, ask questions. And, and that's really, uh, yeah, the founding basis of Horizons and uh, who knows what the future is going to bring on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll explore that a little bit, hopefully. And, and so, Shelby, how is that something that you've got in common with Dan? Yeah, so actually I started um, blogging a couple of years ago, really, with one of my friends. We were talking about comms and stuff and and trying to find a, a space, really, to talk about internal comms, but PR as well and some brand stuff. And then about nine months ago, I guess, I went off on my own and actually wrote um, a guest blog for Dan, actually, because he put a shout out on Twitter and I thought, oh, but this is a good opportunity to write something and get out there. And it encouraged me to go out with my own blog, actually. So I run um, I See and Me, um, and the idea is that it's for tips and resources, some free templates, interviews. I've got professional development, but also some personal development stuff on there as well. Um, I found that a lot of people were talking about things like imposter syndrome and some mental health awareness, and I, and I found that I related a lot to that, so I thought I'd find a bit of a an avenue to talk about that sort of stuff on my blog as well, mainly because a lot of comms people go through very similar experiences it's very similar to horizon so it's, it's mainly set up for new starters to try and find the best way to get started in their career and to find some good resources to to get them on that path yeah brilliant and what a great link between you that uh, you launched your blogging career with the horizon comms and, and yes. you are both together today that's lovely 
So what challenges do you think exist then, Shelby, for new starters in the internal comms world? Is that something that you experienced when you started? Yeah, definitely. I think, well, at first, I didn't really know what internal comms was. I sort of stumbled upon it. Um, I'd originally been um, an elected officer at a student's union. And I started working with the university's comms team on just messages for staff and students. And I soon realised that they were not just doing emails. Um, they were doing posters and screens and branding and handing out all this merch to students. And it, and it soon became obvious that this team was really exciting. They were doing loads of really interesting stuff. So I sort of stumbled acro- across them that way. And then when I started working in that area, I just realised I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd learned a lot of comms stuff through what I was interested in, um, but I didn't really know it from an organisational point of view. So I started looking around, trying to find some resources. Um, and I think for new starters, it's sort of a double-edged sword. So you've got a plethora of stuff out there. Like there is tons for you to read and find, but that's also the issue. Like you don't know where to start. You don't know who to trust. You don't know if you read this thing and it's right or that thing that's right. So I think there's just a lot of information that people need to get through, basically. And I think that's where people like us come in to try and make sense of all of that um, and to try and provide some clear resources for people. So it's like a sense of overwhelm, I guess, when you're first starting, because there just is so much to know. Yeah. Is that similar for you, Dan? How did you find your way into internal comms and what was it like for you when you started out? I think um, absolutely, as Shelby was saying, it's um, I joined uh, from an, as an internal move. So I was a cabin crew for an airline and took a secondment uh, during the quiet summer periods um, to do a bit of office work. And my housemate at the time um, ended up working within the corporate comms team. And so I discovered in the evenings what she'd been up to and um, how things were working in that world. And it was really when I went back to flying that I suddenly realised that there's a lot more going on in the organisation than uh, kind of I knew about. And I suppose there was an appetite really to want to feel a part of the organisation a bit more. So I started sending in like articles and snippets for like the staff magazine and the intranet. And then eventually a role came up as an internal comms officer. And it was the first time the company had ever put in uh, an internal comms role. It was always part of the wider comms team. So I had a chat, applied for it, and I suppose that was eight years ago now, looking back on it. As Shelby said, it was really hard, I guess, to, I suppose, I still didn't really know at the time, in probably for the first six months, what internal comms actually was. Um, you know, I was finding my way around kind of, a, you know, trying to take a little bit of a steer, but, you know, there wasn't much out there in terms of support. And I think a lot of the material I came across talks about strategy, how you align to you know your business plans, your external counterparts. And I suppose there was of it kind of went over my head a bit going, well, this is nowhere near my level. And it was really difficult to have that confidence to reach out for people for help. And so that's why I suppose, yeah, you know, similar story that Horizon came about was I just felt there was definitely a need to try and support people into those um, early days. And it probably wasn't until a couple of years into role that I really kind of managed to, you know, find the membership bodies and support and kind of, um, you know, up my skills that way. But 
yeah, for, I think for the first year or two, it was definitely a lot of guesswork and going on your gut instincts rather than having a bit of uh, insight or knowledge behind you. Yeah. And how did that feel? Because I guess, you know, you do a lot of your learning through experience and through actually having a go and getting feedback on your efforts and that sort of thing. But did it make you feel vulnerable, Dan, that, you know, you had so much to do and didn't know how to sift through all the knowledge? It's interesting. At the time, I didn't really notice it as much. But I mean, I looking back sometimes, I think, how on earth did I get away with knowing you making stuff happen? Like, you know, it takes, for example, now you might have an IT transformation project and you support it and the change comes around it. I mean, I don't know how on earth without any knowledge I managed to communicate some of our IT transformation projects that were happening or, you know, put a comms plan together around like your, your employee engagement survey. Yeah, that was scary. But I remember a lot of information kind of really went over my head. And um, I suppose taking an internal move had that extra challenge of I was always really conscious that people knew that I'd come from being cabin crew to now an internal comms specialist in the business. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself of constantly worrying about that, thinking, are people sat there looking at me going, well, how does he know what he talked about? You know, he's got no background in comms. Equally, I think it was a huge strength because I could really relate to how our remote workers you know, felt and you know the lack of information they seized in that gap. But it was only when I left that organisation that I felt a lot more confident in having a seat with your various stakeholders knowing that actually you're providing specialist and professional advice because they're not looking at you in terms of your previous role um, and I still remember like five years into my first role of you know at a meeting and you know a senior manager asked me how I felt about something not with my communications hat on but because I was crewed previously with the airline and it was I think that was the moment when I was like I need to kind of do a new role with a new company just so that I can kind of make my mark a little bit and not have that constant look back on where I had been. It did at times feel lonely. I had a good team, you know, that I worked with that supported and um, very much a journalistic marketing background. So again, everything was, uh, I think, looking back around getting the message out, not really understanding how it was received. But, you know, it, Put me in good stead. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a, you know, daunting times, I think. But equally, I loved it. I loved being about the people, getting into the business. Um, but even in those days, I still didn't really know that internal comms, I suppose, was the profession that it is. I think unless you're probably lucky in those early days of having a good uh, boss who it provides that mentorship, and it was only when I had my second boss who gave me the kick I needed to join the membership body that I started to realise, oh, this is actually a thing. You know, I'm not just here to do the posters for the toilets and, you know, upload people's content to the internet. There's a whole world of, you know, communications focused on employees out there. Yeah, that's really interesting. And Shelby, does does that resonate for you too? Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely changed over the last couple of years. I've only really been in my role for two years now. And when I first started, it was very, I guess you were just being told what to help with um, and what to deliver. Whereas there's been a real sense of change recently, especially with the pandemic that's been going on. Um, People seem to trust us more and come to us for advice more. Um, They actually understand that we're here to help. We're not here to hold anything up or do our own gender or interfere with anything. We're, we're literally here to help those people get their messages out and for other staff to understand those messages. And 
it's definitely been a positive change. More and more people seem to actually want to talk to us and work with us, which has been a really nice journey, I think, going from somewhere that was a bit more basic at the beginning to becoming a lot more involved and having more decisions over things. I've, I've really enjoyed the journey of where internal comms has got to. That's really positive, actually. So going back to when you started out and you were trying to gain the skills that you needed to do your your role, did you find that you had to spend a lot of money on training or learning resources and that sort of thing? For me, it was more just see what I can find out at first um, because I just didn't know what I needed to know, if that makes sense. So it was a lot of looking around, looking for free resources. um, And that's basically where I started blogging a lot more because I found all this stuff that you could just access for free and I wanted to show other people it. But one of the main places I uh, went to actually was Rachel Miller's All Things I See. Became a little obsessed with her. Um, (laughs) Followed her on like every social channel, liked all of her stuff, wrote about her on the blog. And actually I was celebrating my one year work anniversary. Um, and I put it on Twitter and she messaged me and was like, do you want to come along to one of my masterclasses? I'll, I'll give it to you for a free space, which was huge. Obviously, she was like my absolute idol at the time, um, still is. And obviously, I got to go to such a, an amazing workshop for free. Obviously, that's not going to happen for everyone. Um, and I don't recommend you go and chase her down and <laughs> do what I did. But there are so many people out there who are willing to help you, give you mentorship. And I found because I work at a university as well, you obviously get a lot of opportunities to do education and they'll fund you and they'll find ways to give you courses for free. So I think I'm lucky in that respect. But there are so many resources out there that are either cheap or completely free. Yeah, brilliant. I'll ask you about those in a second, but I just want to turn to you, Dan. Did you find that you had to try to get budget for learning? Or I think actually looking back, I don't think I even thought about development or training for at least the first 12 months. And I don't think that was through naivety. It was just more, no one ever really mentioned it in the organisation. Um, you know, you had your internal like you know, mandatory training that came out, but actually in terms of, you know, taking time to really think about it you know our I suppose your internal like CPD plan was very much objective based around what you need to do to deliver to support the business you know and it was kind of linked that way and um, it was only a good 12 months in that um, I think I just got a random email that advertised the PR Academy's um, internal comms diploma and I was like oh there's courses out there and it was the first time I probably stopped to think about it and that's kind of um, then where the penny dropped of Oh, actually, yeah, I I need to actually train around my craft. Probably a bit like Shelby. Uh, Rachel Mithers was definitely a site that I came across in the early days. And interestingly, I'm actually doing one of her online masterclasses now as well. So it's amazing how things that you find at the early stage of your career do carry across and, you know, you get to build upon. Um, And that's definitely something eight years ago. I definitely would have ever envisioned myself being at now. But there's some amazing content out there once you start digging i think obviously events over the last you know six months have made a lot more content accessible and um, there's certainly a lot out there but i mean coming back to shelby's point though is it's really hard to find the credibility behind people and content and i think a lot of our social channels now are really starting to have a lot more sales in addition to genuine offers of support and help and again i think that's probably where we're both trying to provide that help to almost cut through all the noise and go actually these are your credible people you know these are people who are genuine and um, you know are really there to help but i think 
never also underestimate the importance of in-house like job shadowing um, I think it was definitely something I've missed you probably in the early days of actually sitting down with external counterparts and understanding I suppose you know their world and how that relates I think it can be hard I was a solo internal comms practitioner for quite some time so there wasn't that natural person to go to but now even now as part of a team you know it's important to bounce you know, off each other to spend time understanding other people's perspective and roles as well LinkedIn, I mean, it's a huge tool that I find you know, a great benefit of either finding events, webinars, and also have a look at things like the PR agencies as well. A lot of them produce quite good content, obviously with a little bit of sales in mind, um, but there's some you know, absolutely fab work out there that people are willing to share. I know when obviously uh, the coronavirus you know, started, um, you know, there were soon some great online toolkits, Scarlet Abbott, the home in Bristol were two that I kind of um, found really useful. And I think that's a nice thing about the internal comms world is I was chatting to someone the other week about this and actually you're not competing with other internal comms practitioners. I suppose in the marketing world, you may be competing because you're you know both maybe after business for your company to generate sales. But actually everyone in internal comms is really is an extended family because You've got your own audiences who for probably most of us are either members or colleagues and employees, and you want to do the best you can for them. So actually never be afraid of putting yourself out there, maybe on social media and saying, actually, has anyone got some ideas or advice on a particular topic, whether it's maybe introducing new values, it could be a particularly challenging rollout you've got, maybe of a new HR system or you know, a social uh, channel, maybe such as Slack or Yammer. And you'll be amazed at how quick people come back and either offer advice, happy to have a quick phone call with you or signpost you to other resources. Because sometimes that's all you need is that someone just to say, oh, yeah, I found this really helpful just to give you a bit of support and guidance. Yeah. And so, Shelby, what would you signpost in, in terms of some good places that internal communicators can go? Yeah, I think um, obviously all things I see uh, filled with loads of blogs and lots of guest blogs as well. So Rachel does a very good job of finding people who are experts in their areas and asking them to write for her. So you can go and read all of those things. She's got templates on there as well. So it is a really good resource for that. But some of the other ones I found as well, there's things like the IC space, comms tools, elements of IC, lots of eBooks as well. I, I found a lot of my information from just googling ebook on internal comm strategy um, and it would come up with just so many different pdfs that i could download have a little read through and obviously people are making them into very bite-sized useful materials mm. which is really helpful when you're just on the fly trying to find something out quickly because someone's asked you to do something work and you're like i have no idea what i'm doing yet but yeah i, I found just tons out there um, and i've put some onto my blog just to help other people find those as well but i think just reading around and like Dan said but social media is just full of really interesting things there's a lot of different chats that take place and once you go through Rachel Miller's uh, masterclasses as well she sets up like an, uh, an alumni page on the LinkedIn group so a lot of people who have completed the courses can then continue to talk to each other so there's there's tons out there um, it's just obviously finding the right ones that work for you there's podcasts as well that I listened to at the beginning that really helped me find out from people um, rather than reading lots of content when you're just sort of 
on your lunch break or something you can just listen to people talking about comms it really like immerses yourself into it how useful do you find podcasts because obviously most podcast content is free which is one of the great things about it do you find it a good place to learn internal comm skills yeah definitely i think um especially with the the types of guests that are talking on these programs it's a good opportunity to really delve into what someone's thinking because when you write something you're obviously editing it and making sure you've got all the right content in there but when you can listen to people talking like we are now it's a bit more relaxed and people can delve a bit deeper into why they're doing things i listened to some good ones from um chuck gross which was the iciology or ecology i never know how to say it that was a really interesting series as well but i do i, I think podcasts are, are great because you can just listen to it in the background like sometimes when i'm doing work it's just nice to have it on um, and makes you think a bit differently about what you're doing do you know 12 months ago i wouldn't have you know, even entertained the idea of uh, listening to podcasts i think i had a it just wasn't a channel for me you know in terms of there wouldn't be necessarily loads out there and uh, now i've got to be a bit more disciplined because i started to subscribe to so many that actually it was a bit overwhelming getting all these uh notifications of new episodes but you know, beforehand i was spending you know an hour you know each way on the train going to and from work and it was a great opportunity to listen to a short 30, 40 minute episode and actually have a download without having to think too much, without thinking like, oh, I need to write it down. I think it's just more, it gives you a little uh, insight into a particular topic and it just logs in the back of your mind and you know, in the hope that actually a couple of weeks later, if you're working around that topic, you kind of remember, oh, there was an episode of that. Very similar to Shelby in terms of the ones uh, that I listened to. And I've tried to be mindful and actually think outside of internal comms and how some of those disciplines can definitely um, be brought in. So I've started now, I suppose, for this year, looking at the wider comms world, especially like uh, with marketing on measurement, because it's such a big topic that I just want to be able to do more around. And I know it's something that I think it's internal comms we still haven't grasped fully yet. And equally, I've got some like personal ones. Um, I love listening to travel podcasts. Um, you know, which I think is great after you've had a busy day that you can just easily switch off, um, but are super enjoyable. Um, but also I think well-being is really important for me. Comms Unplugged, for example, is one that I'm a big advocate for because um, I think actually we can get too drawn into our day-to-day -day roles and not take that time off for ourselves. So, yeah, but I think podcasts definitely, um, I don't know how it's fight without it. And I think my CPD log now is just full of various episodes. I just find them great. You can pause it, come back to it. I haven't mastered the skill of being able to listen to it during the working day. I'm one of these, it's either music or nothing. Um, otherwise, I sit there listening and go, Oh, no, I should have been doing something for the last hour. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I'd you know, recommend it and you know, think outside the box as well would be my advice on that and you know, explore different areas and recommendations. Yeah, brilliant. And you mentioned um, CPD in that, Dan. So do you want to tell us what does CPD stand for and are you a keen CPD enthusiast? <laughs> so CPD is really bad, isn't it? It's a comms person with strange to acronyms. Continuing professional development. And it's something that I'm exploring, funny enough, how I take horizon forward in that area, um, especially for those new to the profession. But it's really about taking time for you and understanding actually over the next year, two years, what are those gaps that I want to plug? And that could be specific to your role if you're in-house, you know, in terms of, you know, supporting project for 12 months or you know, having a bit of experience within the business. 
or it could be actually a bit outside to go actually i want to explore profession you know outside of my workplace and um, i'm a huge supporter of it and i think it's definitely and again it's part of the reason why horizon was set up was that, that just i felt there was a big gap between those that are taking those first steps into the world of comms until you maybe get involved with a membership body you know ioic cipr and you start to have a bit more structure and you know there's a lot more focus on your personal and professional development and really in the last couple of years i've got into it more um, i'm obsessed with logging on my uh, portals and i know matt batten who was on a, a few episodes back um, i'm always on twitter with him kind of uh, trying to get the points up it's more than that though it really is about you know where what do i need to be doing and as part of that i realized that actually um it would be really worthwhile getting a mentor and that's something i've been fortunate to get through the um progress scheme the cipr so i've got a you know a once a month check-in to actually go i need a bit of a hand with my cpd you know i kind of think i know where i'm going but i really need someone completely outside of my friendship group of my you know colleagues that i work closely with like yourself and the committee and the workplace to kind of have that you know outside view looking in and give you a bit of a sense of support and direction so um I'm always happy to talk about it. And I think it gave me a good footing to, you know, not only progress, but my chartership would have never been on the radar had I not really taken the time to put into that CPD plan. So I'm always happy to chat on CPD. It's a big topic of mine. And, uh, you know, hopefully next year or two, that's the space that, um, you know, I'd like to kind of move into a lot more. Brilliant. Yeah. And how about you, Shelby? Is mentoring something that you've undertaken? Yes and no. I've tried to... I've never done anything really formally in terms of CPD, um, although that is a lie. I've just got my CIPR qualification, actually. So, oh, um, congratulations. Thank you. Um, but yeah, in terms of like logging things and going along, I haven't uh, been the best at that. But I did reach out um, for a mentor last year, actually, through someone at work who knew someone who knew someone um, and ended up talking to sort of a director of comms um, at another company. And we only had two phone calls, um, but it was one of the most useful things I've ever done. I wish I'd kept it up, really, and that I've, I'd found a better structured mentorship, I guess. After those two phone calls, like talking to someone who's been involved in comms for such a long time, has seen all the tricks and the, of the trade and, and knows exactly how to handle different situations. It was so helpful, especially for someone like I'm only two years really into it. But mentors can really open your eyes to different things, things you'd never even think you'd have to deal with, which just comes with experience and, and time, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm a huge advocate for mentorships and I just need to find a, a good one to stick with. So getting a mentor can work for you if you're brand new into internal comms, as well as if you've got some experience, I guess, then. I found the idea of mentoring maybe I suppose I was a bit almost awkward over it going, well, how on earth do you start the conversation or how do you approach someone to go, I would like a mentor. I'm not quite sure why. I just know it's a good thing to do. And actually, I think a good step is just maybe just quick calls with you know um, people that you uh, meet on social media just to have an informal chat. I mean, um, just today, funny enough, Alan from Alive for Ideas, I was on the phone with for a half hour, just chatting over a particular topic. Um, and again, that's just a very informal heating something I posted on social media, responded. Um, and those kind of conversations are just as valuable because, again, you're getting that external perspective to support you and get someone completely with a fresh advice to kind of chat through. And actually, often you can resolve conversations just by talking out loud. And you know, before you know it, you think, 
actually I've resolved that but just by having someone to have spoken about it you know it's a huge step wherever you are in your career and I don't think there's a set you know right wrong or time scales I think often people get a bit fixed that or I need someone with six months or 12 months but actually just be very open to someone that maybe isn't uh, you know an internal comms practitioner so actually you know you can think you know a little bit again outside that box of you know, having someone who's almost maybe completely disconnected could also be quite a good advantage as well for you. And I think, again, it's coming back to the community that exists, especially online at the moment. There's, you know, plenty of people out there who will probably, whether even it's just a one-off call or maybe just a couple of calls, will uh, you know, be more than willing to help. And maybe, you know, that's a good way to start looking at, actually, if I was to get to a, uh, get a mentor, what am I looking to get support with? Um, and it could even be just getting yourself going on your professional development plans. Okay, so you both are keen podcast listeners for your own learning. Is using a podcast something you've considered as part of your internal communications channels mix? Yes, actually. It wasn't something that we were looking at particularly. I didn't really think that that would work for internal audiences at the beginning. Um, but actually, our PR team um, decided to launch one mainly for external listeners and for the wider community. Um, but it's actually worked really well internally because um, it's actually using the researchers that we have at the university, talking to one of our senior leaders and just literally going through the impact of their research and how it's making a difference to the world and policy, et cetera. And whilst that works really well for our reputation and our brand, it's actually worked really well internally. Research, for example, isn't something that we shout about a lot. Um, And it's meant that our employees can actually hear about all the amazing things that we're actually doing. And we can actually hear from our senior leaders as well, interviewing people. So it's, it's become a platform for staff to showcase their work and for other staff to just listen to our senior leaders talk about this amazing work that we're doing. So yeah, I I think it's a really beneficial thing to have. There's probably more that people could do with internal podcasts that we're we're not doing just yet. That's a really great use case though, Shelby. I love that idea. It's something I think still, um, as a profession, we haven't quite grasped that there's a huge potential. I know in work at the moment, it's uh, literally gone onto the channel map for the next 12 months. Um, You know, uh, probably like Shelby's team you know our um, external colleagues use it uh, for weekly uh, money episodes um, and that's we've just done some comms around their one year anniversary I think it reignited the conversations about actually how can we use a podcast you know how uh, so the uh, opportunities we're looking at is how do you generate stories organically and actually people are maybe a bit mindful of not always doing video chats with you and doing video recordings but to offer someone the opportunity to have a chat, as we all are today, be able to um, cut it, put it together as a nice feature about whether it's you know about recognition within the business, whether it's giving uh, updates on projects or from the leaders. Um, it, we've got appetite to really explore it this year and look at how it fits in with our other channels, um, especially with some of our teams who maybe don't always have access uh, to the existing, uh, I suppose, traditional platforms like your intranets. I suppose for me as well, I was looking at how call centre workers who are headset based, maybe you know, don't always have time to read emails or go hunting the internet for content can quickly listen to short updates that you know they can pause, come back to, you know, they've already you know, got headsets on. Um, and to help explain some of those complex messaging, I sometimes feel that you can have a conversation with someone in 10 minutes and they explain 
what the message is and they're really excited and passionate about it and i'm sometimes mindful of actually my wordsmithing hasn't done this justice and it's been you know i spent ages trying to put it into words when actually if i could have sent this out as a five minute recording it would have had so much more impact yeah i definitely agree with that actually um i think the point in us all having so many channels is that we're trying to offer choice i guess for audiences and and giving them different ways to download information so we already do intranets we already do video updates we've already got emails everywhere um and i think podcast is just another way of getting that message out and like you say dan it's just an easier bite-sized way of explaining something but i think it's just yeah it's, it's another thing to add to your channel strategy that i think could really have a good benefits perfect maybe shelby starting with you because you're only two years in compared to dan with more experience what would you say were the most useful skills you developed in those first two years to help you in your role most useful skill is probably networking stuff because I wasn't the best at putting myself out there or finding opportunities. Um, but actually being able to just talk to the network and talk to the community online, a lot of opportunities came forward and it meant that I could then work with people I would have never worked with, find things out that I didn't know I needed to find out. Um, and it was a lot of, yeah, putting yourself out there a lot more. Um, and it's, it's things like, so Dan's helped me a lot with um, my career in a way, and I don't know if he knows that. Um, oh. But I think, <laughs> I think um, obviously, asking me to uh, do a blog for you and helping out with CIPR stuff and even this opportunity today, like I owe a lot of that to you, Dan. Um, and that's through all of the sort of networking skills that I developed during those first two years, um, which I think is one of the most important thing that new starters should do is just don't be afraid. Like everyone's very friendly and very open. But in terms of other skills as well, I think writing is a huge thing. Uh, we do it every day and we need to practice what we preach. And I, I found that the more I wrote blogs or, or wrote about what I was doing or getting on with the blog, the more that you develop that skill. And, and it just means that you know how to wordsmith things and people will keep coming back to you to get that help. It's interesting you say about writing. It was something that for the first time this year, I actually had any form of formal training. So um, it was something I kind of knew as a gap and did a copywriting course for a day. Like say you've kind of written something for the internet, posted it, you probably got, you know, I got a colleague to proof it, but I never really put much thought into the craft behind actually how do I position my words very you know, differently. You know, you can, your punctuation and those kind of bits kind of come anyway, but actually I never put much thought behind, like actually my degree was geography. You know, I was used to stats and soil samples, uh, you know, and writing in a very formal way. Um, and the business I first worked with was very much in the military environment. So again, everything was quite uh, hierarchical. So having to shift um, to write, you know, was a huge gap that I didn't really pick up on till late. And I think Shelby, as you said, blog writing for me was quite a nice way to try different styles and start to think a bit more in that space. Yeah. So I guess, you know, even just writing your own blog is a really good way for an internal communicator to find out how to develop their own writing style, right? 
yeah definitely i think encourage you know, anyone to kind of give it a go whether that's for your own site or even like journaling in a notebook uh, i remember publishing my first one being a bit petrified of going oh my goodness you know once if i've typoed somewhere once it's someone this doesn't make any sense whatsoever what's he rabbling about and there's still always a bit of that now when you publish something yeah i i enjoy it i think you know, it's a great skill and you know it's quite good to you know, critique yourself as well to see how you're progressing as you go. It's interesting to look back on your early blogs, isn't it? If you've been blogging for a while and see how your tone of voice has evolved. Yeah, I, th- I think I find that through work as well. Like there's obviously lots of different audiences that you need to be communicating with and it's how you can finesse that writing skill, I guess. It, it's about how you can relate to different people and and it is hard like I've done quite a few copywriting things as well um through work we've done things like tone of voice and how to write headlines um how to write call to actions which I didn't even know what that meant (laughs) um until recently it's a really important skill you have to develop that I think people know that you need to write if you're a communicator but I don't think they know how much you need to understand the skill of writing Absolutely. We mentioned briefly professional networks or more formal sort of bodies for internal communicators. And Dan, you and I met largely through CIPR Inside. What's your opinion on the professional networks? Are they good places for people who are brand new into internal comms or are they really for the more experienced professionals? I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this one. Um, And I would say my biggest takeaway with a membership body is the more you put into it, the more proactive you are with your membership, the more you'll get out with it. Um, I've spoken to people in the past who have joined, kind of not renewed it because they didn't really get anything from it. And actually, when you start to go into it, they've maybe just not looked at the site. They've not looked at the content that comes out or some of the opportunities. But for someone new to the profession, it can be, it's a big investment if you've got to pay it out your own back pocket. And if you, you know, I certainly didn't join for I think, the first three years. And it's only because my company at the time funded my membership that I got involved. But I think there's definitely value in them. And don't be afraid of trying a few different membership bodies. And, you know, I think a big one that comes up is like, oh, there's a couple of different, you know, public relations related uh, memberships. Shall I join one? Shall I join this one? Or you know, what's your advice? And I've kind of said to a few people, well, give one a go for a year and then give another a go and see what you've got out of each one. Um, we're all going to be after different things. It just helps reach out to a, a bigger group of people that perhaps you wouldn't have had exposure to in the past. And whether that's through, like Shelby was saying, uh, LinkedIn alumni groups, once you've done, I don't know, a particular course or you've attended an event and actually it just helps you feel a bit more comfortable as there are people out there who are willing to help um i know for example like part of i set up a little guild group um the idea is just to give some an informal space for people to come along um, and join and have exposure to maybe some of us who are in public relations bodies um, to perhaps help them. I think don't dismiss it, but equally don't feel under pressure to join. A lot of the opportunities are still there for non-members, um, you know, so you can even get a taster. Me and you, Debbie, we've done events through CIPR inside and we always make sure they're open to members and non-members. And I think every group's welcoming, even if you're not part of it. I remember going to like my first conference and, oh my God, the thought petrified me of turning up um, to an event with 300 comms people, none of whom I knew, I'm thinking, how on earth do you start a conversation? How do I end up not just sat at the back for the whole day, not speaking to anyone? Um, 
it's still probably a little bit of that exists even now sometimes when you think actually i haven't heard of anyone who's going to this you know and you have to initiate those conversations over a coffee you know a little table and you know, start chat but um the more you start to do those i think the more value you definitely get out of them um, and i know some events i've been to i think i've got more out of networking and they probably have the content being delivered and um, so again think of it like that and you've got your know, huge potential yeah that's really interesting and obviously shelby you said that you found networking to be one of the critical skills to learn early on did you go along to any large scales or conferences and and what's your view on those one of the things i wanted to go to this year unfortunately was cancelled and um, was the big yak unconference um which looked really exciting. I knew it was just going to be a room full of loads of comms people who were ready to solve everybody's problems together. But I definitely am keen to go to one. I, I can see the benefits. I've been to other conferences before through work that are more uh, sector um, focused. And I do find those so useful. And I never know anyone there, but you sort of, you go along to the breakout sessions and you just start chatting to someone next to you and finding out where they're from. And, and it is just so beneficial because a lot of the time I think people find themselves in a little bit of a bubble where they work and you can get very down in the dumps about what you're doing and you can't see past what sort of things you have to deliver and you think you're alone and then you go and talk to other people and you realise, well, actually everybody's got the same issues or, or, they've, or, or they've got solutions for those issues that you can then try and take back to your own workplace. So I do think you have to always look further afield. You have to talk to other people and your place is not the place that's getting it right or wrong. Um, and it's it's useful to find that out from other people. I think you've hit nail on the head there about, you know, we all, the amount of events you go to and you hear that, that everyone still has the same issue, whether it's trying to uh, support line managers more or other kind of areas, definitely put yourselves out there. Um, you know, I think some of my you know, best friends at the, you know, nowadays are people that I've met through networking events. Social media now kind of removes a lot of barriers. And I think last year I went to IOIC's event and met people that I've been chatting to for probably two years on Twitter. It was the first time I met them face to face, but it felt like you, you, you had known them for years um, in person. So, um, yeah, was, they're definitely a, a great fun. Um, but equally reach out to people if you're feeling a bit nervous, you know, and one idea we looked at for this year, but unfortunately conference was cancelled of just creating online communities before the event. So actually you arrive and know people. And um, so, you know, see if you, you can find someone who's going just makes it a little more, more comfortable for you. We see that as well. So obviously where I work at a university, you've got students um, all coming in, moving into accommodation and stuff. And they're all embarking on an area that where they don't know anyone yet. Um, but you set up online communities for them to talk in advance and people are like, oh, which halls are you staying in, etc. And it's it's just something that you have to do. Like you have to make some friends. Otherwise, you're going to be all alone out there. That's just such a good idea, I think, for conferences to have those online communities beforehand. Um, and you can start swapping ideas and notes and, and then you meet up with those people and it's as if, yeah, you've known each other for a longer time. So what makes you most proud of internal communications as a profession? I think it's, it's that we're actually helping people. I don't think um, you'd think of a comms role as, you know, helping others. You think, you know, nurses, doctors, etc. But what we do and what I'm proud that we do is that we take, I guess, the chaos of all of the information that's out there and we make it as simple as possible and as relevant as possible to our audiences. So it's, it's being that go-between, I guess, between the organisation, the senior leaders, and then, and then the workers and the employees and making sure that everyone 
is working towards a, sh a shared goal and that we're not overwhelming people, we're not making their jobs difficult, we're just there to try and help make sense of it all. And that's something, yeah, that I'm very proud that I do. I don't think I could have worded that better myself, actually. I think you're yeah. absolutely, um, you know, it's, I think knowing that you're, you know, you're supporting colleagues and often I think as a function, you know, we're probably unsung heroes and that's absolutely fine because you want people to understand what's happening, feel connected with each other and, you know, to leave their workplace, you know, happy, enjoying it. I think for you to know that actually you had a big part of that, whether it was making sure that, you know, you've managed to launch a campaign that's got the business involved, that's you considered everyone and there's no groups in that business that felt left out or, you know, that you were missed out. And I think that's kind of where I, you know, I take a lot of pride when I leave work to go, actually, I was really pleased that, you know, we managed to include that group who we know struggle in the past or perhaps feel a bit disconnected previously um, from the business as well. And then definitely as a profession, um, I feel like broken record in a way, but it is that community. I think, you know, there's, you know, I've never yet had anyone that's either, you know, turned around and not offered advice and, you know, whether it's personally or professionally, the people that I've met through the comms world have been um, absolutely amazing, helped with some difficult times, whether that's, you know, making a decision to leave a role and try something new um, or whether it's through personal situations. It just it's really it still you know, gives me that warm feeling now of you 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 get you put a question out and someone takes the time to message you and offer a phone call um, and that's a, a huge power and it's something that i know both me and shelby are doing back you know to those that are new is to kind of be a bit of a, a, you know, a friendly face and to offer that helping hand that's lovely and it's a great contribution that you're both making so thank you what would you say are your top three tips for anybody who's new into internal comms? There's almost a blog, uh, there's, well, there's a whole two sites dedicated to this. But um, <laughs> uh, my first one is always be curious and ask questions. Um, and that's whether that's in your role, whether it's the wider profession. As for me, that's the best way you'll find out information and learn. And um, you, I think asking questions on times, you know, I've come across projects that didn't even know were happening in the business. And um, so, yeah, always be curious and ask questions. Give yourself time to step back and reflect. I think we can often, especially in tunnel cons, get so caught up getting your know, content out, putting things together, that we don't take time just to pause and look back to give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back, but also to learn from that as well. Um, and lastly, just it's been absolutely you know, pivotal in my development. It, don't be afraid of asking for help. There will always be challenges that are new to us something that you just don't know and that's absolutely fine you know and there's other people there that will be able to help and in the future you'll probably be able to help them back as well that was amazing dan thank you how about you shelby has dan stolen all your your tips oh, yeah he has <laughs> no yeah i couldn't agree more really with what you've said funnily enough i did actually write a blog um about my top three tips for internal comms people um i think it was the guest blog i did for you actually for horizon <laughs> But those top three things, I think I've really mentioned them already. Um, but it is to, I call it chat, write, read, repeat. Chat because you need to connect with people. Um, and as we've said through the, this whole podcast, really, it's about the community. You need to just get out there, start talking to people, see what they're saying and ask questions, like you've said. Writing, as I mentioned before, it's a, such an important skill. Um, and we need to practice what we're preaching. So 
we're all about engaging connecting people through words and campaigns so the more that you can practice writing and getting that right the more beneficial it is for your customers or your audiences um, and finally read and it's not just reading you know manuals on internal comms there are plenty out there um, but it's also just fiction non-fiction whatever you need to read to make you engaged and interested really but it helps build that vocabulary up um, and it helps you become more knowledgeable and then you can learn more about employee engagement and storytelling and and how to do strategy and there's just so many things that you can read about that will help you in your job and obviously my last point there was repeat so just keep doing all of those things and you'll end up as a very good internal communicator Brilliant. Really love that. Thank you. That's super. <laughs> well, that's been amazing. I've really enjoyed having this conversation. It's been so interesting. I can't believe the time has gone as quickly as it has. But I, I should draw it to an end now and ask you both to let me know if people want to find you, where's the best place for them to go? So you can find me over um, on horizoncoms.co.uk. Um, and there's links there to my LinkedIn and Twitter handles. And um, so I'm Dan Holden over on LinkedIn and Hold Danny, so that's H-O-L-D-D-A-N-I over on Twitter as well. But like I say, head over to horizoncoms.co.uk and you'll get links from there. And the same here, really. So uh, my website is IC and me. So literally I-C-A-N-D me.com <laughs> um, and all my links are on there. But um, you can find me just at Shelby Lowesby on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, and if anyone is interested in the university's podcast, you can have a listen. Um, it's called Powered by Hearts. You can find that on Spotify. Brilliant. Thank you. There's been so much wisdom in this podcast. It's fantastic. And I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with both of you. And I hope we will continue to keep in touch. Yes. Thank you, Debbie. Yeah. Thank you, Debbie. And Shelby, it's a pleasure as always. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Catch up again. Bye. Thank you. Bye. huge thank you to both Shelby and to Dan for the amazing wisdom and advice they shared so generously in that podcast episode. I know they'd be delighted if you got in touch with them to ask them questions about any of the topics they raised so please feel welcome to reach out to them or you can get in touch with me. I'm Debbie Aurelius on LinkedIn or you can look up Peppermint Fish C on Instagram or peppermintfish.com which is the home of this podcast. I've got some interesting conversations lined up for the next few episodes, so I hope to see you then. And I'd just like to say thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate your time. And thanks to everybody who leaves a positive comment on one of my social media feeds or on Apple. It really does lift somebody's day when they get that positive piece of feedback. So a genuine thank you to everybody who takes the time to do that. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.